Welcome to the sermon podcast of Redeemer Church. Redeemer Church is located in Fate, Texas, and her mission is to share the gospel, shape disciples, and send missionaries into the surrounding communities and across the globe. We hope that this week's message will bring glory to God by building you up and resulting in you looking more and more like Jesus himself. Thank you and welcome everybody. Good morning to you and I'm so happy that you're here. Um, there's going to be a kind of a game plan. If you read the letter that went out from the church, you're expecting a, a different psalm than I'm, what I'm going to speak on this morning. So if you'd like to open your Bibles or your PDAs to Psalms 103, we're going to be focusing there this morning. But before I get started, I want to speak to address a little bit about Next Five. We have this opportunity before us that God has directed our leaders, and we're completing year two. What an opportunity we've had. The response of this church, our email came out during the week, and it talked about how at this stage we have reached 71% of our giving. Normally, the average is somewhere around 55. So as a church, we're doing fantastic. And I am so encouraged by that. We have a long ways to go. I understand that. But we can't stop. So as we proceed to do what God is requesting us to do, what the opportunity that God has given us. Remember the, the BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal to put a church on the property that we've purchased. Let us continue to pray, and, and also you pray individually about your commitment as we pray about our commitment that we can continue it, and maybe some of you who have not committed might be willing to do some. We're going to be talking about this in the coming weeks, but... <laughs> Really what it, this next five does, it really helps us identify our church. I happen to ask some people, I happen to ask our life group, which is the gray hair and no hair group. And um, I fit the no hair, if you, you know, so does Steve. Um, but, and I also ask some of the other people that I've, I run in contact with what they appreciated or what they like, or why do they come to Redeemer. One of the top ones was the teaching. We focus on the Word of God. Next is the people serving. We have an awesome amount of people who are willing to serve every Sunday, and that is fantastic. I understand serving. I understand that it can really be taxing at times. And times we wish, why am I doing this? But let me tell you something. You're doing it because God asked you to do it. And we're so grateful that you are. The old and the young mixture. I fit in the young category, if you haven't noticed. Um, but the mixture of the old and young people, because with the old, you have those who have lived life a little bit more life under our belts than some of the younger ones. 
we have a lot of things we could share, just as like we can learn from, the, us older ones can learn from the younger ones because there's so much out there now, the knowledge and everything that just, you know, blows my mind. I mean, we have a computer program that we use in the church and I, I struggle every time I get into that thing. And I see some of the younger guys like Stanley and Matt, there it is. And I'm going, where is it? I'm sorry, Keith, you don't fit in the younger guys. <laughs> and then flat out, just the people. This past week, the Jones family experienced a death. A family who attended our church, the Gentries, they lost a dad, a, a grandfather, he lost his dad. And the response from the church was just overwhelming. I know yesterday we had the privilege of taking a meal to one of the families who had just had a child and gave me an excuse to cook a turkey. Oh, by the way, Kroger has them for 78 cents a pound till Tuesday. <laughs> um, but just that opportunity to serve. Another thing about the people is I was always taught early in my ministry what happens after church. How many people meander around talking with other people? And let me tell you, the only times that we don't have a group of people standing around talking is on a holiday weekend because family's in town and everybody wants to leave early to get to the restaurant, which I don't blame them. And then if the Cowboys play early, you know. <laughs> but the people, their response and how we interact with each other. Leadership structure and staff, a commitment to move forward, and one that I thought was very interesting, it was commented by more than one, is the prayer life. Because I'll be honest with you, I have not been in a church where the prayer life has been so fervent throughout the church. If you haven't attended a Sunday night prayer service or prayer time when we have that here, I, let me encourage you to be part of it. It brings a cohesiveness to the body. It keeps us in touch with what's going on. It helps us to connect with God as well as connect with others. But it's, it's just phenomenal to me. But even though we have a lot of wonderful qualities, there are those times when the wind dies and the sails go flat. The next five, that's five years of commitment. Five years of us staying the course to reach the goals that have been set before us. And sometimes I, I look at that and it's like kids riding the car. Now, I don't know how it is for you younger parents today. I know when our kids were young, they would be in the back and Judy would put these little travel packets together because she would put Cheerios in a bag because they would sit there and eat them one at a time. Great. Loved it. 
or they would be playing game, little games and stuff that Judy would purchase for them and that, but it never failed. We would be down the road a couple of hours. Are we there yet? Maybe you don't get that question today. But we did back then, because today you have the videos in the cars, they have the PDAs that they can look at. Fortunately, when I upgraded finally to a, a um, GPS, I've had that up there, and they would ask, are we there yet? And I said, well, look right here. See, this tells us how many miles, and this tells us what time we're going to be there. Okay. Are we there yet? Sometimes we have to ask our questions when we have these big goals. Are we there yet? No, but it's coming. And in that time that we're waiting, sometimes discouragement can set in because I don't know about you, but if, you know, when we purchased our home, the first thing Judy wanted was to paint. Yes, dear. We paint. And one of the things I painted was the ceilings because they put this tan color throughout the whole house, even on the ceilings. Right? This is the cheapest way to go, of course. But we wanted to make them white. It makes the house look bigger, it brightens it up and everything, and I was in full agreement with that. But you can only do this for so long. And by the time I got to the living room, because I took care of all the small rooms first, and then when I got to the living room and the kitchen, it was like, God, what am I going to be done? Why do I get to keep doing this? And what comes to mind is the book of Nehemiah because the, the people there in Nehemiah's day, they became so discouraged because they were constantly under, under attack. They were being mocked by the outside people there. The, there was rubble all around them and the progress was so slow and they just started to become discouraged. And then I look at Isaiah 40, 30, and 31. Even youths shall faint and be weary and young shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We were taught when we were on staff with Campus Crusade, it's now called the crew, but we were taught these 10 basic steps to Christian maturity. And in the book of the Holy Spirit, it teaches us to walk by faith, putting our faith into the facts so that we're not walking by feelings. For how often have we heard, I'm tired? I don't want to, you know, I'm just, I'm just tired. I used to park cars when I was going to school, and I worked at the Hotel Crescent Court, brand new hotel. I was there when it opened. Worked with a guy by the name of Kenny and a couple other guys. They would come in on Monday mornings, oh man, you should have seen our service. We had such a good service. We have, we, oh man, all this stuff is going on. We were just praising God and worshiping and doing all this. And there was me. Yeah, okay. After a few weeks, Kenny says, Charles, don't get it. You attend church, right? And, yep, I do. 
He said, why, why aren't you filled with the Spirit? Why aren't you so joyous? There's a guy by the name of Dave, very smart man, because he worked in the Navy nuclear system, but he had to leave the service because he injured his back. He was standing off to the side. And I looked at Kenny, and I said, Kenny, you come in every morning all pumped up. I go through a whole week of going to school. I work full-time, go to school full-time. I have a family. On Sunday morning, I'm part of the choir. I also uh, teach a class. I'm tired. But let me tell you something, Kenny, what I observed. You come in here bounding around on Monday, but by Friday, you're living like the world. By Friday, I'm ready to go back to be with the body, to be in church. Dave, standing off to the side, a couple of weeks later, he comes up to me, he says, hey, Charlie, I listened to what you said, and I watched, you're right. Our faith should be in the facts, not in the feelings. Emotions, they can take us all different kinds of directions. They could want us to give up. They'd want us to try different things. But God says, here's the course. And so when we look at Psalms 103, that's usually my question when somebody says, I'm tired, I'm fatigued. And I, you know, have you looked at Psalms 103? I mean, here is a, a psalm. It, it has no historical context. You can look at other psalms and you can say, okay, this was at this point in David's life or this was written at this point in Israel's history, but Psalm 103 has no historical context that you can pinpoint it with. There are some speculations, but there's nothing out there for firm. If you notice in your Bible, I have a large print Bible, so I got more than two lines, but if you have a Bible that's thin print, you'll notice that each verse is two lines. You'll notice that in the beginning verses, there's four alls, A-L-L. In the second section of the, of the chapter of, the, of Psalms, there's two. And in the third section, there's two more. My ear must not be working this morning. The psalm begins with a blessing. Bless the Lord, O my soul. It ends with a blessing. It is the only psalm next to Psalm 23 that probably has had more songs written about it. One of the first ones of record was written in 1525. The psalm was this a, a hymn was written by a scribe who was there when the Pope was going was interviewing or basically trying. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry, I got a brain freeze here. <laughs> Forgot his name. I'm sorry, but it was a... Wow, this is embarrassing. 
Anyway, it was at the trial. Nailed on the Wittenberg door. Luther! Luther! I knew I could get his name. Oh, man. I'm sorry, guys. Things just don't seem to be going well for me this morning. There we go. Let's try that. And while Luther was testifying at this inquisition, the scribe that was sitting off to the side listened, and he left the inquisition, left the pope, being a scribe for the pope, and he went out and became a believer. He wrote a song based on Psalm, a hymn based on Psalm 103. That's 1525. Down through the years, just more and more and more songs. We also notice that Psalms 103 starts off, the word Lord is Yahweh. The unspeakable name. The I Am. The Eternal One. And the writer of the psalm starts off with a command. And he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all the benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that the youth, your youth is renewed like the eagles. We'll stop there. The three sections of the psalm are basically the internal, what comes from within us, the external, what comes from God, and then there's the universal, all that God has created. As we look at the internal, he starts off by saying, let's, you know, bless the Lord. It's a command. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Why? But not only bless the whole Lord, why? But do it with your whole heart. Why? Man, I will praise your holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget. Speaking internally. It's coming from what's inside. It's coming from what's there. If there's nothing in there inside, you can't, how can one bless the Lord if there's nothing there? If we are empty on the inside, how can we bless the Lord? How can we think about what He's done? And that's the whole point of this psalm. He's directing us back to what God has done so that we can bless Him. And this is also is a song of our redemption. It's a psalm that basically looks forward to a day of salvation, a day when we will be able to stand before God, a day when our hope will be realized. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He has done. Deuteronomy 8.11 Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His rules and His statutes 
which I command you today. Least when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great terrifying wilderness with his fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty grounds where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble and test you to do you good in the end. Comfort. We get comfortable. We get comfortable and then all of a sudden things go well and all of that and everything's happening. And it's not until we reach a point where we're saying, you know, are we there yet? A point of frustration or a point where just, you know, life has creeped in and filled us up. Or perhaps we've just haven't been paying attention to the Lord. Perhaps we've allowed sin to creep in. For in verse 3, he says, He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He's not talking about physical ailments here. He's not talking about, you know, different ailments that we can have. He's talking about the spiritual ailments. He's talking about those things that hinder us from a relationship with God. He's talking about the the diseases of the soul. Pride. Hatred. Lust. Rebellion against Him. Spiritual illnesses. But He forgives them and He heals them. Verse 4, he redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. Boy, what a reference to, to, to the resurrection. Redeems me from death. We have that in Jesus Christ. If we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are redeemed. We will be redeemed. And he crowns us. A crown is something that's put on someone's head that cannot be removed until a certain point in life, until death. I think of the the queen mother who, who passed a little over a year ago. She wore that crown for 70 some odd years and it wasn't removed. Passed down, but it wasn't removed. But he crowns us because it's a symbol of his love for us. It's a symbol of his commitment of love. And it's done by the will of God. It's not something we do, but it's something we experience when we have that relationship with him. And in verse 5, he fills with life, with good things. My youth is renewed like eagles. I already read Isaiah 40. A sanctified life is the blessed life. It's a wholesome life. And it's out of that life is how we praise the Lord. It's that we bless Him 
We, we go before him, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Why? Oh, because of the fact that you've forgotten all about my sins. You've forgiven me. You've healed me. You've redeemed me. You've, you've filled my life with so much. That's why I can bless you. So the first point is the internal. That's what's within us, that we can bless the Lord. The second section is the external. That which comes from without. That's which, something we have no control over. That comes from without, and it begins that the Lord gives righteousness. He takes his righteousness and puts it on us because there is not a righteous bone in our bodies. It's only his righteousness that we, can, we are able to endure. And justice to all who are treated unfairly. It, it is this, it's this knowledge about God, his, his redemptive plan. And that's what he is addressing. I'm going to put your, my righteousness on you because of my son Jesus Christ. Through him, you are found righteous. That's why we can bless the Lord. I love the next few verses. He says he revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. Boy, you think about everything that he revealed while they were in the wilderness. I mean, Moses, he would go face to face with God and he would have to come out and his face would be covered. It would be so radiant, but his face was covered. Why? Because the longer he stayed away from God, the radiance faded until the next time he stood before God. The people were able to see that pillar of cloud by day and that pillar of fire by night. They experienced his mercy when God said, I've had it with these people. I'm just going to kill them all and start over. And Moses Moses interceded. You can't do that. But they saw that. They saw the compassion and the mercy in verse 8. They saw how he was slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. And then look at this. He will not consistently accuse us nor remain angry forever. Wow. He's not going to continue to find fault. He's not going to continue and point his finger. Oh, see what you did? See what you did? Oh, you did something. Oh, watch. Oh, oh, yep, yep, yep. I caught you too. You're, you're, yep. Oh, boy. Wait till I tell your mama on you. He doesn't do that. He convicts. He brings us to a point where we have to say, God, forgive me, for I have sinned. But he doesn't punish us because of his mercy. He doesn't give us what we deserve in verse 10. And in verse 11, he talks about how this is. He uses a couple of hyperboles. 
to give this idea of infinity. Because we know our God is not an, a changing God. The God that existed when I was born and when you were born is the same God who existed when you came to faith and believed in Him, put your faith and trust in Him. It is going to be the same God when I take my last breath. But he says in this, in this passage, he says, look, my love, you can't imagine that. It's an unceasing love, an unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. In the 70s, when I was in the Navy, we'd go out to sea. I mean, I thought I saw a lot of stars, you know, being, living out in the country and stuff. Uh-uh. You get out in the middle of the ocean, and it's sometimes you don't know where one star ends and the next one begins. I was just, I would go up on deck at night and just stare at the sky. But then they put this telescope out in space called the Hubble. And all of a sudden, it's taking pictures. Pictures of things so far beyond what I could imagine ever reaching. And there was space even beyond what the Hubble, the pictures that the Hubble was taking. I laughed when back in the 80s, 90s, some scientists said, oh, I know where space ends. I have a pretty good idea. But it'll only take a few billion years to get there. And that's traveling at the speed of light. But that's how he loves us. He loves us that much. And then he says, he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. And of course, you can keep going east all the day, all day long, and you can keep going west. And the two never end. We get that picture. But our God is not a changing God. Isaiah 40, 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unchangeable. What a God we have. That's why we can bless him. For the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. He loves us as a father. He cares for us. He provides for us. He knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. All our days on earth are like grass. Like wildflowers, we bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone. As though we had never been there. But the love. The love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear Him. His salvation extends to His children's children. 
His love is always there. His love for His children is constant. He loves His children before they become believers. He, he loved, his love is abounding. His love is there for all of His creation. But for those who enter into His re- relationship with Him, it, it changes. Because now we experience not the just God, even though we will have that time when we will have to give an account but those who have not know the Lord, who will die without knowing Him, who will who leave this earth, who will perish, who will become back to dust. God doesn't change. He still is a loving God, but He has to enact His loving justice. And His loving justice states, you will live apart from me. Our God doesn't change. That's why we can bless Him. So we have what comes from the internal. We have what comes from the external. And now we come to the part that is universal. Verses 19 through 22. The Lord has made the heavens His throne, and from there He rules over everything. He's king over all. He starts off with the angels. Praise you, praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans. Listen for each command. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies, you hosts. All the rest of you. There's the angels. They they do what he commands. He goes, they come, they 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 do what God wants him to do because he is overall. And the same with his hosts. Praise the Lord, everything he has created, everything in all his kingdom. There's that word all again, finally coming to the end. All his kingdom, praise the Lord. We can't look out into creation and not sit there and praise the Lord. When we think about all the intricate things, you look at all the different animals and you look at all the different birds, you look at creation and you're saying, how in the world... Could that evolve? I think I've mentioned this before, but I love sharks. I do, really do. I mean, I wouldn't swim with one. <laughs> but you look at the body of a shark, and God took that body, and all he did was put different heads on them. Wasn't that neat? I got this model. Hey, it's a good one. We'll just stick different heads on him, you know. He's creative. And then, of course, with leftover parts, he makes a platypus. <laughs> but that's his creation. And then it wraps up that all that I am, bless the Lord. Why? We have a God who's forgiven us of our sins. We have a God who loves us. We have a God who exists externally, who will redeem us, who will give us a life. We have a God who is over all creation. That's why we can bless him. And because of that, we can have the deepest hope that we can ever have. 
I mentioned songs earlier. In 1974, a young man was born, a young lad, child. Age seven, his father committed suicide. But he didn't find out till he was 10 years old. His mother remarried, but the person she, remarried, or she married to was very abusive. Abusive to the point that he was eventually put into prison because of his abuse. The young man's name is Matt Redman. You may have heard of him. He was the writer of the song 10,000 Reasons. He published it in 2013. From 1525 to 2013. The sun comes up. It's a new day, darling. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. You're rich in love, you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness I will keep on singing. Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. And on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near, and my time has come. Still my soul sings your praises unending, 10,000 years and forevermore. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before. O my soul, I'll worship your holy name. Let's pray. Father, as we come to the end of your word, sharing your word this morning, I thank you. I thank you that we have this opportunity to bless your holy name with all of who we are and what we are. As you reign in us and we have that, that ability within us that you have put in us because we believed in you and trusted you. May we, Father, when we grow discouraged, when we grow faint, when we grow weary of the tasks before us, Let us not ask, when are we going to get there? But let us turn to you and bless your holy name for who you are to us today, tomorrow, 
and throughout our lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you for all you've done, all you're going to do, and for the people this church will reach. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Pastor Shannon, and I want to thank you for tuning in today. I trust that the Lord has spoken to you through His Word, and if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I invite you to trust Him today. If you have questions about what that means, reach out to us through our website, RedeemerRC.com, and one of our pastors will be in touch. In addition, if you would like to partner with Redeemer in her mission to share, shape, and send, you can support our ministry by visiting RedeemerRC.com forward slash give. Now, this podcast is not intended to replace your active participation in the life of a local church. But tune in next week as we continue to lift high the name of Jesus through every paragraph, passage, and page of the Bible.